right, well, welcome to yet another episode of Fuck You Friday. I'm your host, Wynn Silverman. This is my co-host, Casey LeBlanc. Um, super excited today. We have Nate Boyer in the house. I'd never played a day of organized football in my life. People said I was too small, too slow, too old. Nobody wants a 30-year-old rookie on their team. Well, I guess I'm no ordinary rookie. Cool. We're, we're actually in Los Angeles today, um, so I wanted to give a little shout out to uh, Ben over there at Sticker Farmer LA, and thank you for uh, allowing to use your you know LA headquarters to hang out here. Um, it's a really cool, really cool digs, and, and um, uh, really excited about what's going on with, for Ben. But um, with that being said, Nate, what I'd like to do first before like and we dig into your story and, and talk a little bit is is have Casey kind of go into why why we're here, what this podcast is about, to give a little context, and hopefully that context will kind of shape the direction that. Uh, that we flow. So hey, fuck you Friday actually originated when I was in college and one of our strength and conditioning coaches would recognize that a lot of the guys on a, on a Friday workout were had partied the night before. And so what he would do, he would scream at the top of his lungs. It's fuck you Friday. <laughs> and he'd set up this basically sumo ring in on the field and he would pit guys against each other that were vying for a starting spot. And it was everything but closed fisted knuckle punches that was allowed. It was basically a no holds barred fight. And it was a way for people to understand like, Hey, we're not taking Friday off and we're going to attack the things that are like, that are really burning inside. Like, right. We're, you're, you have my starting job. We're going to fight. Like I'm going after you. So it's this mentality of like Friday. Most for most people is a day, a third day of the weekend. I'm just, you know, thank God it's Friday mentality. 12 o'clock people are cutting out. When I came down and, and lived in San Diego, it's this beach town. Everybody's kind of quiet on a Friday. So I was like, fuck that, right? And so we wanted to talk to people that have done elite things in their life. And some of the things that we want to talk about today are, what are you doing that you may not even recognize that are elite traits or discipline things or, or how you've transitioned into all the different stages of your life that have given you this edge and that people can learn from? Because a lot of times people are just not talking about it. And so those things that we can kind of glean from you that can really help other people and in, in, in ourselves just kind of understand like how elite people do elite things. So if, if maybe you can give us some background, just kind of start from the, from the top, kind of where you're from yeah. and give us some history on, on, on Nate. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember those Friday morning workouts, by the way, <laughs> you know, so typically at least in season, it was, uh, you know, more the, the sort of the non-travel team that would have to like come yeah. in at six for 6am workout, no matter what. Yeah. So like my first year in college, like, exactly what we were doing. And yeah, everybody's hung over. It's pretty miserable. Yeah. It's reeks of alcohol throughout the gym. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you gotta just, yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta get it in anyway. Uh, sweat it out. Uh, so I grew up, I grew up in the Bay area. I grew up, I was born in Tennessee, born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, my dad went to veterinary school at university of Tennessee. My mom was working out there when I was born. And then when I was maybe two years old, we moved to the Bay. Uh, my dad, Worked at Golden Gate Fields. He was oh, a, yeah. a yeah. He was a racetrack vet there uh, until just last year. He retired. Wow. And so your family's still up there. Yeah. Well, actually, my parents just moved to Nevada. Okay. You know, that they're like sense. we're we're done yeah. paying all yeah. this money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but yes, my sister. They're not the only ones, by the way. There's a lot <laughs> no. of people getting out of California. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. The droves. Yeah. yeah. Just run away from the fires now. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So my sister and her family's in Santa Rosa now. My brother and his family's in Redwood City. So yeah, oh, they're cool. still in the Bay. Um. I grew up mostly in El Cerrito and which is, yeah, it's right next to, right next to like Golden Gate Fields. My mom, um, she finished her graduate degree at Berkeley and then she's an environmental engineer. So okay. she worked, you know, out in the Bay area and 
in that uh, in that world, which I know nothing about. Uh, she's a scientist, and I am definitely not. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, grew up a huge Bay Area sports fan. You know, 49ers, Giants, Warriors. Um, we'll get along great like, then. Yeah, yeah, we're all Bay Area. Yeah. Kids, so this is this yeah. is great. Football was my thing. Football was. Uh, I didn't play it growing up, but it was like my fa- my favorite sport. Like I, so I not was, not even in high school. You didn't. You no, didn't. not in high school. Not okay, so that, guys, was, yeah. Let's, was let's, that parental di- uh, discretion or what? What exactly? <laughs> when I was really on? young, my mom denies it to this day. <laughs> but when I was really young, yeah, she didn't want me to play. My dad, my dad uh, played football and wrestled. You know, uh, all through high school, I didn't didn't play in college or anything. But um, you know, and that's like like what he did. And you know, the first sport I remember playing young was soccer, and then I played little league. Sure. And then I played basketball and it was like, football was one of these things that, you know, it, it, I was Joe Montana for Halloween two years in a row. Sure. So it, I was, it was like, I was, oh, I swear to God, there's a true story. 10 years in a row. Every, <laughs> I, I'm like a die. I think Joe Montana is probably the coolest guy to ever walk the face of the earth. Him and Michael Jordan are like, are, they're, yeah, sure. they're my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Basically. So that's my, awesome. My brother works uh, at a VC firm now in San Francisco Sequoia. and, and one of the, it's called Crosslink, Crosslink uh, Capital. And one of the, uh, one of the investors people he works with often is uh, is Joe. Okay, so he's always shooting me emails of like correspondence. Yeah, that's and I'm great. Just like, Shut up, man. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I mean, it, that's when it started. And then I, you know, when I was a little bit older, I, I got really into baseball and basketball, and I could have played football in middle school if I wanted to at that point. Like they would have let me. But I think it was like an insecurity or like mm. I don't want to lose my spot in basketball or baseball sure. or what if I what if I suck? You know, what if I ride the bench or what if yeah. I get cut or I don't know, just the things you worry about when yeah. you're 13, 14, that like, once you're older, you're like, that was so stupid. Right. Like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Um, so I didn't play, you know, and it was like this mounting regret that just mm. never went away, which is sounds silly. Cause it's just a, it's, you're, it's football. You're playing football. Like, and not no. in the context of that, of that age and era though. I mean, that, that sports is everything to you. Well, I'm saying until I was like 29. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, so well, that's what, that's what I want to psychosis. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that, but your, your story is fascinating, right? So you take us from what happened after high school and walk us through the kind of that timeline to, at, at to 29. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, I, like I said, I played baseball, basketball. I was pretty good, but not like, you know, no big scholarship offers or anything like that. So I didn't go to college right after high school, not because I thought college was bad. I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to study. I mean, I would go if I was playing sports, but. Eh. Were, were you getting pressured by your, I mean, your parents are educated. Yeah. Very know? educated. So, uh, so definitely you- like, you know, I, they didn't like verbally pressure me. I just felt that, you know, I think pressure to excel or succeed, but like they never pushed really in that way. Of course they pushed me to do well in school and like work my ass off and sure. not be lazy, but they never like tried to push me down a path of like, you should be this or you should be that. And, you know, and if you don't get, you know, if you don't, if you don't go to college, you're going to be a failure. It was never that kind of conversation. Um, but I know they wanted me to, I mean, sure. I think any parent probably is like, yeah, I hope my kid wants to succeed and, you know, go sure. aims high. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't know, it was, I just was, it, it was where I finished. I finished high school in the East Bay. Um, went to finish a high school out in, uh, in Dublin. And it just, to me, no offense, like a lot of great people there. It's a really nice area. There's nothing wrong with it, but it just didn't feel like my community. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel connected to it. And so I graduated high school. A a buddy of mine was moving down to San Diego to go to firefighter school. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I just kind of went with him, started going to classes, quickly realized that, that, I mean, something I should have known already, but this is a very uh, committed 
career. <laughs> like you gotta, you know, you gotta be a grown up. You're going to go be a firefighter. And it's like something that you, you don't just do it for a few years and move on. Cause first of all, it's hard to get on a good department. Like you got to do a thousand hours of volunteer firefighting and obviously get your uh, certificate. You know, it's a couple of years of training you go through and it's a big commitment. So after a semester, I was kind of like, this is cool, but uh, I don't know. So I started working on a fishing boat and uh, I was living in Point Loma and I worked out of the, the Point Loma sport fishing docks. Yep. So it's just charter boats going out, you know, 40 or so fishermen. Um, and what was your role? Are you the deck? Are deck you, hand, so you're yeah. the one that's putting the bait on the stuff and cleaning the fish and exactly. getting really good at flaying the fish, right? And gaffing them yeah. right over. That's, that's the cool, that's the cool sexy part is gaffing the fish yeah, over the side. It's fun. It's, it's aggressive. Like he, yeah. he actually, you'd probably like to gaff. <laughs> Do you know what that is? <laughs> no. <It's, laughs> why don't you explain to Casey? What it's that like, is. so it's like this 10 foot, like bamboo rod with a big hook at the end. And so you catch a fish, say you catch, you know, you got a big 40 pound bluefin on or whatever. And you know, they reel it in, takes, 30 minutes to get this thing in, you know, get up to the side of the boat. But the boat is, I mean, we're, we're eight to 12 feet off the water, depending on, you know, how it's moving around and wh where you are on the boat. So you got to reach this as a deckhand, you know, the fisherman's got the, the tuna on the line. You reach that, uh, the uh, gaff down in the water, the hook, and you're basically trying to I mean, make it up. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah no, exactly yeah, but the fish is like, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's doing like the infinity symbol, you know, like right. kind of going back and forth. And so you got to time it and, People get pissed off if you gaff oh, yeah. the, the if you hit it in the middle where all the fillets are, the good meat, you know, and you're like messing up their a lot meat. Of skill right. set involved, <laughs> and you have to be aggressive. I think this would be a, a great new uh, opportunity for you. Actually. Well, let's see if the podcast doesn't work out. Maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, could do, you should do one out there though. You, yeah. you know what? There's so many characters out there. Yeah, there are. You I mean, would yeah. find yeah. somebody that's got just this insane story. You know, some some captain that's been <laughs> out in that out of, out of Point Loma for 40 years doing yeah. that and take yeah, you out. They got some stories. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, yeah. It's cool though, but it was, I mean, I loved it because it was like, I felt like I was making my own way, you know, it's mm. super blue collar and like, you know, just, it was, it was fun too. Like it was living in San Diego is not yeah, bad. Living in San Diego is not bad at all. Especially at like 18, 19, right. you know, yeah. yeah, it's good life. Um, cause it's, you know, it's a big college town in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? There's, there's just a lot how, to how do. It's very now? young. I'm 40. You're 40. Okay. 40, yep. Right on. So did that. And then after about a year. Uh, I actually moved to LA cause I was interested in film and TV at the time and didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, all aspects of it were interesting to me from like in front of and behind the camera. I was like, this is just cool. Like I love storytelling. I'd find, I'd like watch some, some films that, uh, um, I don't know, just sort of inspired me and like, or, or, or I just was something intrigued you about it. Yeah. I, I think the challenge of it too. I loved, I, love challenges since I was a kid, you know, I've always just been attracted to those. And so I came up here, um, you know, spent, a, spent a couple of years not doing much as far as yeah. like really pursuing that. I wasn't going to ask my parents to send me to film school. Cause I didn't even know if this was the ultimate thing I wanted to do. Um, but I don't know, you know, and, and LA is a, LA is a tough city. It's a tough city. Yeah. It'll <laughs> eat a, you and chew you up and spit yeah, you out. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it probably did a little bit. Um, but then, um, nine 11 happened. I was 20 years old when nine 11 happened and didn't join the military right away, but it got me thinking about it. And I started, uh, I started trying to save my money up and go backpack somewhere. Um, and eventually that brought me to, so you didn't uh, have, you do, do you have a family of uh, like a family history of serving in the military? Both was my it? grandfathers were in world war two. Okay. And I got a cousin that, that went to the air force Academy. 
but not not really. So nine eleven I mean? hits, and what's going through your head? Like I'm like, I'm like everyone else, or is it or is it more deep? And did what what was take walk me through how you ended up in the military? I think it was mostly shock uh, of nine eleven. First, I was just like, wait, what? Like how could this happen? This, you know, it's two thousand and one. Right. right. So the, literally, like that kind of a I don't know. Um, it just was. I I just couldn't believe that that people would want to do that a and b that somehow like that could happen and especially in America. I mean, we live in a, as I know even more now, like quite a bubble and, you know, relatively safe place, you know, compared to a lot of sure. parts of the world. Um, and yeah, so it just like, it, it sort of just like shook me up and I was just like, man, I, I got to get out of this bubble of LA and uh, do some exploring and kind of figure out what makes sense for me. And so like, you went on a journey cause you went from LA to, I believe you started traveling through, through Europe, right? I mean, hit a various number of countries, kind of backpacked it or. Yeah, exactly. I was just. Just trying was to just, find like what the hell is going on with your. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was, I, I, and I loved it. I loved like the adventure of it, like the unknown. Uh, I did, I wouldn't go there with this big itinerary. I'd have a general idea like, okay, I'm flying into London on this date and I'm yeah, flying out of Paris great. on this date or yeah. whatever. And I'll just. All yeah. by yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah. 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 Um, Best yeah, experience by of your life. So, yeah. I mean, at, at, that, at the time, yeah. at the time for sure. And it was like, you know, one time I went over there and I had a couple friends that were on like a tour bus trip around the country. So I would meet them up in certain places yeah. here and there, but I was on my own. Well, I like know, the freedom of and, being able to choose to meet your friends or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you want to stay, uh, if you want to stay an extra day, uh, somewhere because you're having a great time or if you're like you go somewhere and you're like ah, this place kind of sucks yeah, you know, not yeah, really into I'm it you just leave yeah you know? right you just uh they had this train pass back then i don't know if they still do but if you were under 25 right you got some yeah. it cost like a couple hundred bucks but it was like unlimited country to country for like a month yeah. you know what i mean That's so awesome. i'd go you know you could go you're like i'm gonna go to italy today yeah. you know, and you just go you just jump <laughs> on the train and go and like, it's pretty sweet i yeah, love that That's great you know we i wish we had our amtrak system was yeah. a little like yeah. better like that but also we're it's so big here it's Things well, feel a lot the, closer. The topography there. of Europe allows that train system to be really nice. I mean, you're not dealing with a lot of mountains and hills, uh, particularly in California, right? I mean, the Amtrak yeah. system is a little rough here. Yeah, but but it is what it is. Anyway, so, so you guys, did you yeah. did Europe and then got into the military. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Okay, came back. Um, um, you know, went on another trip down to to to, to sort of Mexico, Central America, Central America, and then. The whole time, are you are you still? Is it in your head, kind of this nine eleven thing, or is it is it this lingering idea of like I want to uh, I want to serve, I want to do something not, about not it? Really, okay, military yet? Okay, just like I definitely want to do something that I feel like matters and something more global. I don't know. So that brought me to the Darfur, and uh, you know, it was the height of the genocide there. The Darfur is uh, a, a region in Africa that's on the border of Chad and Sudan, and you know, there's a a genocide that that's been occurring for a long time at the, at the time, I think just in a matter of a couple of years or so, maybe less like 300,000 people had been murdered and there's mostly, you know, women and children left stranded in these refugee camps and they were understaffed. I, I read this time magazine article about it and was just like blown away. And I was like, I'm just going to, I got to go, I got to go help. And I called every NGO like doctors without borders and all those other ones. And, they all told me, you know, you don't have a college degree. You don't have any special skills. Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I'm reading about how you guys, I mean, there's not, you're not even able to build the camps fast enough. Like I could do something. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. And they're like, well, it's just not that simple. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I, it is that simple. I, uh, in my opinion, I, I went to the AAA in Burbank and bought a plane ticket 
and just flew over there and figured it out when I got there. Um, and ended up volunteering for a couple of months and I was, you know, assisting in the medical centers. I was playing with playing soccer with these kids, you know, every day. Um, and isn't uh, so, so I hate to jump in. I don't mean to interrupt, but this You're is a, kind of the, the, the point of this podcast of just doing shit, right? Like you, you, you have, you identified a problem. Everybody else like convolutes the problem and nobody's finding any solution. You're like, fuck it. I'm just going to go. I'll figure it out. Right. Like, I'm just going to go do. That's a common thing to trade. Like, 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 do like, we, we've talked to a lot of elite people and they, they almost take it for granted. Like you just go through that story. Like, yeah, I just, I got on a plane and just went and started solving the problem. Right. But there's so many people that are like, Oh, I got us. They said, no, they yeah. said it can't be done. There's, you know, the, the yeah. and they become part of the problem. Right. And it's just like very natural for you. And that's part of the, like the reason for the podcast, like, I literally identified a problem and I wanted to do something about it. I tried to go through the proper channels. The proper channels are all fucked up. Nobody knows what they're doing. So I just decided to do something on my own. I got on a plane and went yeah. and like right. that point is just, I, I think should be highlighted because a lot of people just don't do that and don't understand that they can do that and should do more. Uh, so that, I think that's awesome. Well, I will say this story. and I'll, I'll, I'll direct to the camera. Yeah, on sure, this one. Please. <laughs> Except when it comes to women, <laughs> No is my favorite word. Sure, <laughs> like, you sure, know what sure, I mean? Sure, and like sure. for me, that means like when someone's like, no, you can't do that. Or like, no, yeah. that's not possible. That's I'm a just challenge. Like, it's a challenge. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, not with girls. Okay. No means no. But, but you know what? I, you, you guys get it. Yeah. Yeah. You understand yeah. what I'm trying to say, what I'm saying. And like, where um, does, and I, I want to kind of stay on that. Does that come from like your childhood? Like, are yeah. you, were you from the day you were born, just this competitive, like, if you tell me no, I'm going to flip that to a yes, no matter what, like, like, do you have this lineage know. or like, is this like this? I don't know if from like super young or when, but I, I definitely was competitive. Okay. I mean, very competitive. That's in your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably in my DNA. And it's, uh, cause my parents definitely are as well. You know, whether that's in, uh, well, from academics yeah, or in sports yeah, or whatever, sure. they're both, like, they are very competitive people, very proud people. They work very hard. Um, and they're, they're both, especially my mother, it's like, I'm just going to do it myself because someone else will screw it up yeah. if I don't, sure. you know, it's hard. It's, and I, I struggle with that as well. Like trusting people to do it right, do a yeah. job right. You yeah. know? So, um, yeah. So that, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's all, that all contributes to that. Awesome. Um, I can, I couldn't put a, I couldn't put a year in my life on, you know, a, a number of when I really developed into that sure. you know, person, but, sure. um, yeah, but I always felt that I always felt that way. I always felt like, I, well, I'll just do it myself, and um, was very uh, was always cool with being alone and kind of doing things alone and like being on my own. I mean, you know, didn't have and haven't had a ton of like committed relationships with women throughout my life um, because I just was like, well, it's just going to complicate things. I'm not going to be able to yeah. just go do these things I want to do. It's not that I. I don't want that in some way, but it's like, I feel like that'll hinder, hinder me. So I just sure. pushed that back for, for, for a very, very long time. And, uh, in some ways maybe I did do those things or at least try those things that I wouldn't have if I had. You were developing you know, your character and you're developing yeah. your identity. So why not kind of be very secure as to who you are and what you were going to do before kind of engaging in, in what we're talking about in terms of a personal relationship. Perhaps, yeah. Right. right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also like, it's unfair to the other person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if I know I got a lot of passions and a lot of goals and dreams and, and I also know myself that 
tomorrow something might pop up and I might be like, oh man, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Like, well, also society has these norms and you really don't give a shit, right? Like you've just never really cared much for like, oh, well, society tells me I need to be married with two kids and have yeah. a white picket fence. And you're like, yeah. hey, I'm going to Africa and I'm going to solve world problems. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. Like, yeah. That's just not a normal yeah. mentality. It's disruptive and, like, and that's and, cool. And so that, <laughs> I think, I think at least recognizing that, having the awareness and being like, you know what? Like it's probably, probably not a lot of people out there that are going to just jump on the plane with me. So right, right, right. I'm just going to yeah, go do things do on my own until, until I'm not right. Like, I yeah. think that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right? A lot of people just don't do that. And they, they fall in, fall in line with what everybody thinks that they should be doing and whether it's their parents or their friends <laughs> or whatever ecosystem that they're in. So right. yeah. I think that, that that's awesome. So go ahead. go ahead. No, I'm just saying, so you're contributing, you're giving back in a way that you're doing it and it's valuable, but where does this transition to a military perspective? Yeah. So the, the end of that quote unquote deployment, yeah. you know, that time over there. Cause as I look back on it now, that was sort of my first special forces mission sure. without knowing it. Yeah. It wasn't in the military, but yeah. I just figured it out. I talked yeah. my way onto a UN flight. Once I got in country, got out to those camps, like just made it happen, you know, figured it out. Yeah. And uh, my last week there, uh, I got malaria and this family put me up. This was like this amazing family that like, I mean, they didn't have anything, you know, they lived in mud huts and stuff and they were like, I had a little bit of money and they trying to like, Hey, so you guys can get medicine or whatever you need to like care for me. And they're like, Nope, Nope, nope I don't wow. take anything. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, they, they cared for me. I mean, for like three days, it was just the absolute worst. It's probably, sure. it's probably a lot like people that have like a, a terrible case with COVID or whatever yeah. that is. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it's debilitating. Um, you yeah. Can't move. <laughs> oh, I was like, I couldn't eat or drink anything. It would just come right out. Yeah. I was like, Fuck freezing cold and sweating my ass off at the same time. I can't sleep, body aches, headaches. And they put this little radio uh, next to the cot they, they put me up on. They were sort of, you know, quarantine me, quarantining me or whatever and trying to, you know, just be there for me. Um, I think they, they probably have all experienced it, you know, very much yeah. with their families. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, he'll get through it most likely. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So the radio, they had a, it was a cassette tape that had bought, it was a Bob Marley tape and that was the only tape that came with it. So I, I listened to Bob Marley for, you know, like three times on both sides yeah. of that tape. And, and by the end of that, I was like, all right, I need to hear something else. I'm going crazy here. <laughs> so I started flipping through the stations and the only radio station that came in was the BBC, ah, BBC news. And the second battle of Fallujah, which was one of the biggest battles of the global war on terror was happening at that time. And so I'm like getting the play by play of everything happening there. And I'm kind of thinking of like, what am I going to do next with, like, with my life? Like I, mean, I felt this sense of purpose over here and like people actually needed me. And I, this idea of like fighting for those who can't fight for themselves was really resonated with me. And I knew something like the Peace Corps wasn't really my personality, you know what I mean? And, and, and it, it, it uh, I don't know, it just kind of clicked right there. And I was like, I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to join the military. Didn't know what I would do right away, but came back and started researching it, found out about, uh, the special, the army special forces, the green berets and their motto was, is, is uh, de oppresso liber, which means to free the oppressed. And that just like really spoke to me because of the oppression. I felt like I had just experienced. Witnessed, yeah, sure. exactly. And, uh, yeah, so that was that I went to the recruiter. Um, but you initially pinpointed one of the most elite classifications that you could possibly want. Right. I mean, that's the challenge aspect though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the competitiveness, like, because I was also like, you know what? I want this contract. I want to be a green beret. I want to be in this unit, but if it doesn't work out, you know, and I ultimately don't make it like, I'm sure I'll land somewhere 
solid, sure. you know, in a, in a, in a, in a unit doing the same type of thing, you know, going overseas with an infantry unit and, um, you know, still being a part of that and yeah. trying to help people in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever we would go. Um, and it would still have that sense of adventure and, you know, this like purpose and sure. all that stuff. So that was sort of the mindset. I was like, I'll give everything I, I, I have to, to make that. But if I don't, um, I mean, can you, I've, I've been cut before. Can you, yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Can you explain like, the difference between Green Beret and, and a SEAL? So basically it's, it's the, it's the army equivalent in, in a, you know, okay. in, in short form. Um, is, and is it, is it the same kind of six week training or uh, you have to go through the, no, I mean, well, the, but, but, so we have like a, our selection course is about four weeks long. And after that, it's like a year and a half of training, you know, to, to earn your green beret. Okay. And it's like, you're learning, I mean, you learn language, um, you learn like a specific skill set. There's a, a medic, a weapons sergeant, an engineer, a commo sergeant, um, aside from like Intel and the team, team leaders and stuff like that. You learn one of those four trades through that year and a half. And then you cross train in the others. Um, of course, like everybody gets plenty of, um, like small unit tactics and, you know, close quarters, battle training, like running through, you know, running through houses, especially because of the current war. Um, and, uh, yeah, all that type of stuff, like okay. the kicking doors down type of training. Right. But aside, but, but aside from that, like, yeah, you learn, I learned Korean, um, and everybody, we like, there's different languages throughout Jeez. the teams and, um, you learn yeah. Korean in a year. Well, I mean, I wasn't fluent, but like, you know, that's about the extent of my Korean. Yeah, <laughs> it is mine now too. I can still like, I can still read it yeah. and you know, I like to go to the Norebang, sure, you know, sure. the yeah. karaoke bar uh, <laughs> and uh, I can order food and stuff. But yeah, yeah I've forgotten. That's, 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 that's all I need. Oh, you've got to be a hit when you go in there. They're like, yeah, wait, what? Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. See, yeah. If you know, if you yeah. know a few things, they appreciate it. It's instant rapport with the culture. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that's the biggest part of to answer your question more like um, the biggest, it wouldn't even be a difference because the SEAL community does this as well. But a, a big part of the mission set um, in the special forces is uh, of course, unconventional warfare, but also a foreign internal defense. So like we're going to Iraq, to Afghanistan, wherever we go, we train um, often live with and then fight alongside host nationals. So Iraqis, Afghans, they wow. like, yeah, it becomes a, so one of the biggest firefights I was ever in was like 12 Americans and like alongside like 60 Afghan special forces, you know, which they're special forces. They don't have the resources we have, the education, like all that stuff, but like they're fighters, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like there are a lot of those, uh, it, it was, it was cool. Do you have a, do you have some perspective on, on just current conditions and, and some of the things that are going on with obviously the, the, the pullout, the, the yeah. withdrawal and, and, kind of the unfortunate circumstance that's that it's it's been sad it's frustrating um but it's not simple and it's you know what i mean yeah. I, I don't like how a lot of people are like well we should have done this should have done that it's like it's first so of all hindsight's 2020 oh of course <laughs> it, it's so complicated um that's a complicated region I, right like that yeah you've been there totally. and, and so what like can you give us some perspective for some from someone who's been there on just what it means when you say it's complicated well there's just like that, you know, the culture there is, is been the culture for thousands of years, you know what I mean? And like the traditions, the customs, things that in America, we would be like, that's crazy. Like, how is that, how is that legal even? You know what I mean? How is that the norm? But it is. And, and I, I'm sure they, 
feel the same way about it's, a lot of the things that we do. It's ethical relativism. Yeah, right? I mean, right. we might see something as right and wrong here, whereas in a completely different uh, world, it's it's the it's shifted. The, the totally. morality shifts. Totally. I mean, yeah. the biggest thing that is hard for me um, is like just the way that you know, the, the women women and children are treated right. in those places. And then they're not all treated like negatively or poorly. It's just, they're not valued in the same way. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I know that plenty of people in America, and that's a conversation we have all the time, you know, the, uh, the equity of like men and women. Right. And it's still not, it's not there, it's not there, no. but it's way further along than uh, a culture like that, you know? And that's, I don't know further along is the right word. Cause in their eyes, like it's right what they're doing. In it's their correct. eyes, we've regret, we've regret, regressed. Excuse yeah. Me. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. So there's that, um, you know, just the, I mean, the amount of uh, poverty and lack of education, that's one thing that I really, whenever people are just like, well, this is what the, you know, the, the, you know, whether it's the Taliban or whatever culture, they're like, this is, that's their way of life though. And I'm like, yeah, but they're like repressing of education generally in any culture I just think is fundamentally wrong. Cause people should always be able to choose for themselves, whether they think this is right or not. And if you have no access to the outside world and un- yeah. even understanding that there's other options. Right. Like life doesn't have so to are, be like are you, this. Are you coming from a perspective, not to get too philosophical with you, but no. I think this is where it's going. Do you believe that there are certain like basically universal truths, like universal things that we all need to, as a, as a global community, hold on to? I mean, is there something that's burning there that goes, Hey, <sighs> I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't really thought about it in that yeah. regard, but maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. I yeah. do, yeah. maybe I do. And then, and maybe that's also just a part of my indoctrination oh, yeah, to yeah, America makeup, right? you know, yeah, yeah. And, and my you belief know. system. Yeah. Um, Cause I try to not count somebody out just because I believe something different. Sure. You know what I mean? And think sure. differently, but at the same time, like it's difficult, I just want to make sure that everybody's thinking about everything, you know, yeah. and, and, and at really least consider all and then, and then come with the decision. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, yeah, when I, I look at that and, you know, and it's not every, it's not everybody in Afghanistan. It's probably not everybody in the Taliban or whatever. That's like mm. this way or, you know, that way there's extremes for everything. Cause there's plenty of ex- you know, extreme things in America that I'm just like lax. You so know what I mean? It, sometimes it feels like that's all we hear is the extreme, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're the loudest for sure. Yeah. Uh, so sure. No, I, t- no, I sure. totally get it. So you, first of all, thank you for your service. I, I just, yeah, I, I think this, it's an incredible, uh, thing to be able to serve your country. And we're, we're lucky to have people like you protecting us. So thank you. And then take, now walk us, now you come back and, yeah. and your story's so fast. I, I felt like you already have lived three lives yeah, at least, right? Like we, we're, we're not even into the football portion yeah. of, of, yeah. uh, of it, but I'd love to or at hear. least we have, well, I have more frame of reference in football than he does. We can talk about that later. <laughs> let's, let's transition to football. It's not about you. Oh, right? sorry. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God. <laughs> so anyways, so, so, so you, you, you serve and how long did you serve? And then you came back and walk, walk us through how you got into play. Yeah. College football I, uh, at that age. Uh, one of the most exclusive programs in the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, uh, like I said earlier, I, I regretted not playing, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't go away. It was like a weird thing that just kind of stuck with me. And it would go and come and go and come. And I would just be like, well, I mean, I'm in my 20s now. It's too late. Sure. What are you going to do? And can I ask you a question about your mentality at this point in, in your life? Is Are you are you feeling like I could pretty much do whatever the fuck I want? Like, do you feel like because I've done so many different things? Or are you just taking it kind of once compartmentalizing in your life and just one step at a time? What's next? What's next? Yeah. And, and not even reflecting on kind of some of the, the amazing things accomplishments that you've already done at the mid mid twenties. I'm, I'm not great at reflecting. Okay. You know what I mean? Trying, no, that's trying, right. trying to work on that, but I You're ha- a doer. You know, yeah. yeah. I haven't, ref- I haven't done that a ton, but it wasn't so much that like feeling like I 
feeling like uh, I could do whatever I want. It was just like, it was starting to believe that legit anything is possible by almost anybody. You know what I mean? We all have some type of limitation at some level, of course. But I think we, the biggest limitation is the one that we put on ourselves. Yeah. We think mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, well, people don't go to college at 29 and play football, especially ones they never played before. Like this, people don't do that. You can't do that. You know, that's that, telling that, that no. can't and that no thing no. is like, we tell it to ourselves probably more than anybody. Yeah. And that's, that's who we believe above everybody yeah. else too. And like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's a product of hearing other things and you know, what people have called you and what people have told you when you were a child, you know, we've all been bullied at some level by somebody at some point right. and yeah. it sticks with us. You know, we remember those, those little things even as, as, as small as they may be. Well, it's kind of how you respond to it too, right? If you, if you hear no, and then that's what you believe and you just kind of tuck your tail and turn around and run, then that becomes a habit. It becomes habitual. But in, in your, in your case, you hear no, and it's like challenge accepted. Got yeah, it. Yeah. yeah and the, yeah. and the light comes on. It's like, okay, now, now we got to perform. Especially the no in my own head. Like when sure. it's like, Oh, you sure. can't do this. It's too hard. Whether it's someone else or your enough, own head, right? You know, it's someone, something or someone is telling yeah. you no, whether it's you yeah. or someone else and outside yeah. force. And, and, and then something clicks. It's yeah. like, okay, it's go time. Like so, you don't want to let that thing beat you. It, right. It's competitive. That's, that's awesome. You're 29 at this point. 29. Yeah. I'm actually in Iraq. Um, and I, it's like, I'm up for reenlistment. So I got to make a decision, uh, in the next year to reenlist or I'm out, you know? And I ended up making the decision over the next few weeks because it was football season while we were deployed. And like, we're watching games, we're watching games, we're watching Monday night football at 5 AM on Tuesday, Sure, you know, in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever, yeah. uh, because of the time change. And like, we get back from a mission and it's like, I clean up and I'm not going to sleep right yeah. away. I'm going to go watch football yeah. and like, you know, kind of, uh, dial it down, you know, and just kind of chill out. Yeah. And it's just like, it's always been my favorite sport. Like I said earlier, and it just like, just watching it thinking like, man, that would be so cool. Mm -hmm. I still wish I would have done that, you know? And and then I just was like, you know what? Why, why not? Like, why not go back? I'm ready to go back to school now. I figure at that point, if I don't go to college now, I'll probably never go. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I, 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 the GI bill, the army's going to pay for it. I'll go to college on, and if I do, I might as well try out for the football team wherever I go. And, uh, yeah. Like, so casual. Not? Yeah. So yeah. I, well, I started training for it. I started like, I put the work in starting there. I was like, we have a little, you know, crappy gym on base there. And, um, but it's something and you need something to occupy your time and like get you through. I mean, this is still, we, there's still probably five months left on the deployment when I'm, when I make sure. this decision. So I was like, all right. Um, how can I utilize that time? This, this is kind of my Friday, you know, yeah, that, sure. uh, those five months are just like, well, everyone else is like, I can't wait to get home. I just want to get through the deployment. I'm just like, this is an opportunity because I'm not going to be out here partying, you know, like I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. I'm going to start lifting different. I'll start doing football drills, all that kind of stuff. And then when I get back, you know, I'll apply to school, see what happens. And it's I, this mentality. Like I can't stress it enough how unique it is. It's, it's one of the reasons why we talk about what are you doing that you, it just seems that it comes out of your mouth so naturally. Like, Oh, I just decided I'm going to spend the next five months training to go to, and, and, the, and you said something that was great. I, I started to put the work in, right? People just, they want to play college football, but they don't want to put the work in. They want to go and, and, and they do, see the lights, they see the lights in the uniform. They don't know what, what it took to get there. So you spent five months training to walk me through those five months and then what you did after it to actually make yeah. the team. And so that's just, so it's like, incredible. I mean, we still got our mission. We're still over there, yeah. you know, doing that, but 
there is downtime. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, have their different hobbies. You know, some people play freaking video games. You know what I mean? Like on deployment, it's a very common thing. You need those, you need those things to take you away uh, and keep it back, take you away from what's going on, but like keep your life balanced. Um, keep your mindset balanced. And you know, if, if it's just go, go, go mission, mission, mission all the time, you're going to burn yourself That's part out. of the challenge, right? There's yeah. a physical component, but there's also this uh, intellectual component of how you can stay sane in, yeah. in an insane area or time sure. uh, where totally. there's a lot of chaos, right? And, and we all need something just generally in life, deployment or not. Everybody needs something to look forward to. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, I was that's looking great. forward to this chance, even if I didn't make it, but there's an opportunity. You like, well, it's the you, process, you, you right? You start the, to believe in yourself. When you've put the work in, you know, I always say like everybody, you know, people just like, oh, I just believe this thing. And I'm like, but why do you believe that thing? Cause for me, I need a reason to believe that yeah. thing. You how know? are you going to get there? Yeah. <laughs> how many? Yeah. So like, I don't actually believe it. I think it's maybe possible and I would like to try, but I don't actually believe I could do it until I'm put, I started to put that work in. And then like, I start to see a little bit of results and you start to gain confidence. And then you're like, I actually do believe momentum is I can beautiful make this both team, ways. Yeah. You know? And then you believe eventually you believe like, there's no way I'm not making this right, thing yeah. or doing this, you know, that's when you, tend but to it win. starts, I yeah. think this is an important point though. It starts when you start to do the work, right. Then you, you have these milestones, albeit they're small milestones, but the momentum starts to build where you're like, wait a minute, I got, I did this. Now I did this. And then all of a sudden you're, you're a college athlete and you already know it. Right. And there's this mental part of winning and momentum that you start to build upon that, that equals starts to equal success, which is, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating point. So yeah. continue, yeah. but I just want to make sure we highlight yeah. some of these things that are, they're just fascinating because they're I think, elite. <laughs> it's what manifests an elite human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But it just should be highlighted because I think people can really glean something from it is that you didn't go from having an idea to be, to go into college where you just said, all right, after five months, I'll, I'll show up, I'll try out. It was like the work started today. And then a week from now I showed momentum and then a, a month and then five months. And then you become what you believe, right? And what you put, what you did was put the work in to get to the five months. It wasn't like just showing up and now I'm going to go play college football. It was like, no, I showed, I decided I was going to play college football. And then there's five months of fucking hard ass work, right? That people don't, they don't see that. They hear the story of, oh, deployment, college football. But the five months is where you became a football player, right? Yeah, right. And that's the most, in anything that I try to do, looking back on it, if I, when I do reflect the most exciting time is that time where sure. it's like, I have this dream and now I'm pursuing it, it and I have no idea if it's going to work out or not. But like the fact that I'm still, I don't know, like that, the dream itself is what, what, what fuels you, you yep. know, what makes you excited about it. And then when you're putting the work in and you start to see progress and you get a little win here and there, you know, you're just like, this is, this is possible. This is yeah. possible. Once you get it, it's not, and once you achieve it, it's still cool and great. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's never as oh, it's like, the journey. Yeah. That, that, yeah. The journey is so much, so much more rewarding. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. at the time. So that's yeah. why as soon as I finish something, it's like, what's the next thing? What's I want to, I want to feel like that again. Yeah. You know what I mean, I want to, so you go play So you go come back and then how do you decide on Texas? What, what, and, and you make the team and then you play for how long? Walk us. Yeah. During that deployment, um, my team sergeant, uh, who, and we butted heads a lot, <laughs> you know, with this guy, he always had a Texas Longhorn hat on and it's a common thing. You see, uh, Bradley Cooper wears one uh, when he's playing Chris Kyle, sure. uh, American Sniper, and it's not just by accident. Like it's very common, especially, mm. um, especially in uh, well, in the military generally. There's just a lot of people from Texas, sure. and people that even that aren't. It's just it's one of those logos. I mean, it's the biggest brand in college football by far. Mm -hmm. um, it's the most recognizable brand, you know. And 
uh, I, I was just like, that's the biggest challenge then. Like that's gotta be the biggest challenge, like that part of it. And that's I, right. it, you know, it was just like all these guys, I don't know. I was just like that. I, I had no connection to Texas. I actually pulled for USC, uh, when Vince, good, Young, good. When I'm was, pulling for USC this weekend. Actually. Vince Young, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who do they San, got this played, weekend? I played at San Jose. Oh, State. they got San Jose. State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, go Spartans. Uh, so good luck. I, yeah, I know, right? Um, I, I, we're, I don't want to. I want to make sure we cover what the next 40 years is going to look like for you. Like what these challenges, like every single one of them is fascinating. So you, so you go to college football and then you, you like walk us through getting to the pros and like, yeah, uh, like. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I chose Texas, decided on Texas, the only place I applied. Um, and then went out there and, uh, do you call the, try you call the coach or, uh, like, how no, I showed up on campus, um, August or yeah. Well, no, cause I actually went to school and in, in, uh, started going to school in the spring, okay. the spring semester, uh, uh, was when I started, but I went out there the summer before when I got back from uh, my deployment, I got back, I think in May or something. Mm-hmm. And I went out there, you know, in that summer right after just to see it. I was like, I got to go see the campus, see everything. Yeah. I went out, I kind of snuck onto the field, you know, and I was like out there on the field. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then I met, uh, ended up meeting the strength coach, strength conditioning coach. And, you know, just asked him when tryouts were, how that worked, you know, and he recognized that I was older, you know, and he was like, what's your deal? And I was like, well, I was in the military and you know, or I am in the military. I get out in January and, um, you know, I'd like to come try out. And he just was like, yeah, well, you know, let us know when you do, you know, obviously I had, had to get into school. I think I found out that I got in like in October or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't even sure that I was going to get in at that point, but I had a decent idea that I might. Because, and you kept training. Yeah. And I did, I was taking like uh, overseas. I took uh, just some online like college courses just to get, so I could transfer in as a sophomore. Sure just to get cause some of my military credits actually transferred. But then I was like, all right, if I just get all A's on this, on these online, like kind of easier courses and I have a good GPA, I feel like with the military background, you got a shot. I got a good shot. Yeah. I'm getting in. And, and I did, and I got in, you know, and I, so I transferred in academically as a sophomore. Um, yeah. And just went to tryouts, like went as hard as I could, you know, 90 miles an hour in the wrong direction sometimes, but yeah. just like, and, and, and got onto the scout team, you know, which was like the start. So it's yeah. like, I got a locker, yeah, I huge. got a Jersey, I get to dress for home games. And so that first year, that's what I did. And, uh, and then on veterans day, um, they put me in to run down on kickoff coverage cause we were blowing out Texas tech. So that was my first ever like play. And mm-hmm. I was nowhere near the tackle, but just like, just I threw a guy game. down that like tried to block me. And it was like this, you know, I just like got that bug. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I go over the, the sideline. Everyone's yeah. all psyched. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I was like, I got to find a way on the field. And that's when I started, uh, that during the bowl practices that year, I started long snapping because the starter was graduating. I'd never long snapped before. You know, I was about to turn like 31 years old. Here we go again. <laughs> but like challenge, accepted. I was like, yeah. I need to find a way on the field. You know, that's a thankless job yeah. that no one wants to do. I'll give it- thankless. You, you can only be a villain. Only, yeah. No one knows who you are until you screw up. Yeah, everybody yeah, knows who you are. Yeah, right. So I started uh, started messing with it. I gave you know I gave myself like the patience of you're gonna suck for a couple months. It's sure. a new skill. I mean, remember when you first started learning how to shoot a pistol? Yeah. In the military, like it just took a long time. You know, you got to just practice it and like put in the work. Put in the work. Yeah. You know, all the little pieces to yeah. it. And There's then, a common like, theme here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Commit. Commit to it, and then. And work your do, ass do what it yeah. takes, do the work yeah. that it takes. And yeah. So spring practices roll around and 
I'm snapping, start snapping on the scout team, and then I start snapping with the second team, and then uh, come back. I, like I was I mentioned before, we started talking. I, I transitioned into the National Guard from active duty, so I was still in the military, um, but just wasn't bothered during football season and all that. Uh, went overseas that summer, and you know brought a couple footballs with me. So my downtime that that deployment was long snapping. And Mac Brown was a coach at the time, right before I left on the deployment. Yeah. I said, Hey coach, I seriously want to compete for that starting job when I get back, you know? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, thinking like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're lucky to be on the team, kid, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, no, but he, he genuinely gave me that shot when I came back and ended up winning the backup job in training camp. First game of the year, the, the, the guy that they'd recruited to be the new long snapper for the next four years um, in the first game, he had a couple of not great snaps. And so I got an opportunity the next week and started for you know, 38 straight games after that awesome. until I graduated. And, um, yeah, so I just started I, that, that long snapping became my way, my opportunity, uh, is a niche you carved out to contribute and be on the field. So, so yeah. we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Kaepernick situation. Speaking of football, what, what that, that probably put, a, uh, you know, put you in a spotlight that, you know, I think between the two of you that there was a major event that happened in the NFL and it's still, it's still around, right? Like, yeah. uh, can you walk us through what happened with that and, and kind of give us some perspective on like, I mean, just the detail of it. I think it's been told in, in, in a couple of different contexts. ways. I mean, you got a shot with Seattle, you're in the league, you, you're, you're in the next level, you know? Yeah. Um, but where did this, where did this Kaepernick scenario uh, manifest? So, so I graduate, um, I get out of the military, but those things sort of end at the same time. Uh, it's 2015, and I sign as a free agent with the Seahawks. So I go through OTAs, training camp, and played in one preseason game before I ultimately got cut. So that one game I played in, just like in college, I was always asked to lead the team out of the tunnel with the American flag and like run them out because I was in the military and all that. So the Seahawks asked me to do that for the game that I played there in Seattle. And you know, we're playing against the Broncos and Peyton Manning's last year. Um, they went on to win the Super Bowl that yeah. year. And, um, yeah, it was just like, it was incredible just to be on the field in an That's NFL uniform. Awesome. I played the whole second half, like that, you know, to have at 34 years old. That's a know, rich moment. Have that, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's something I will absolutely never forget. And the most interesting or exciting part of it at the beginning, or the most memorable part of it, I should say, is at the beginning of the game when they played the national anthem. And I'm on the sidelines, my hand on my heart, and I just like burst into tears. I was just like so overwhelmed with like the moment, and obviously being proud. Well, and what of that my symbolizes background. in a collective personal experience for you, and and your it's you want to talk about teammates. I mean, teammates over there being deployed is a whole nother level, right? But there's certain similarities. Um, yeah, so it's powerful, rich moment. Yeah, yeah. So like that happens. You know, the next week I get cut. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it's yeah. like that. NFL stands I for not that. for long, yeah, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, so, okay. yeah exactly. <laughs> so fast forward uh, almost exactly a year later to the preseason of 2016. And that's when Colin Kaepernick gets started sitting on the bench um, during the anthem, you know. Yeah. And he was in his interview, he was like, you know, this is about um, police brutality and law enforcement uh, not holding people accountable uh, when unarmed men are, are shot or I men and women, I should say. Um, and, you know, he said things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but he also said things that I was like, that, you know, that's pretty, that's a good point. Like, we, you know, 
I want to be a part of making things better. So whether it was him saying stuff like, I'm not going to stand for the flag of a country that oppresses black people and people of color. For me, I was like, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I have a different relationship to the flag, to those symbols, like what they mean um, to me because of my time in the military, because of a lot of things. And so for me to assume, I, I know what it, or to assume that should mean that to every, uh, it should mean that same, that the sentiment should feel the same for everybody else. Like that's not fair, you know, that's not right. So, um, and I was getting hit up by like CNN and Fox news and MSNBC and all these pinned you as with the militant background. They they saw you as someone who might have some perspective on that. Yeah, exactly. I was in the military and I played football. So like I should, of course I'm the expert. (laughs) It's like, I'm not, but you know, that's, they wanted to get my perspective and, I just said no because I didn't want to contribute to the conversation or really the debate. It's not really – I want to contribute to the conversation, but not the debate. And I felt like everything was a debate at that point. It's the middle of also of like uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump's right. election. And right. that was very divisive, much as this year was. Polarizing. Yeah, yeah, polarizing. And I was just like, ah, I don't want to do it. So I agreed finally to write this open letter through the Army Times because I knew they'd let me write whatever I want. They'd hit me up a few times as well. And they wrote a nice article about me when I was – plan. And I was like, I feel like this, I'll do this. So I wrote that letter and it went out and, uh, it went like crazy viral, you know, and Colin ended up uh, through his publicist, his publicist called me and said, Colin read the letter. He's really inspired by it. He wants to meet. Um, can you meet him tomorrow? And I was like, where? She said, uh, in San Diego, they're playing the chargers in their final preseason game. He's supposed to start. And, you know, he's saying he's not going to stand again. And, Media is all you know, up in arms about it. And everybody's yeah. like freaking out. Um, but he just wants to get your perspective and talk to you face to face. And I was like, well, is there going to be like, is this like a media stun? Is, is there cameras a around? everywhere? And he was like, there, there, she said, no, not at all. Like he just wants to meet you in the team hotel. Just, just you guys and sure. like nothing. I was like, okay. So I went down there, met him in the lobby of uh, the, the, I think it's the Weston and Horton Plaza. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, that's, about? That's where they all stay. Yeah, they exactly. Stay. Yeah. yeah. So it was like in the lobby there. Yeah. I used to stay. <laughs> um, I think the next year or two years later, they moved to yeah, LA, yeah. but, um, yeah, so they're playing the chargers. It's like a week before nine 11, uh, 15th anniversary at the time as we're approaching the 20th. Now it's military appreciation night. <laughs> so there's like a flyover with Navy <laughs> seals jumping in the stadium yeah. and like all this stuff happening. And, uh, so we talked about that and we talked about our backgrounds and we talked about why he's doing what he's doing. And, you know, he wanted to hear about my background and, I feel the way I feel. And I just, you know, so he was coming at it from a, a point of trying to understand. Totally. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't like, Hey, I want you, he wasn't trying to convince you as much as he was trying to understand he, both he sides. Was trying, he was trying totally. to educate himself. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was. And, 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 and I was trying to educate myself as well, you yeah, know, sure. and, and we, it was both like, it was such a, I wish people could know that Colin Kaepernick more because now it's very different. It's like, a huge well, it's, uh, he's it's a symbol for something and he's yeah. become a symbol for something yeah but at that moment it was more rich and raw early yeah and and he, he didn't know where this was going to go he was just and, a football player in a locker room that yeah. like had a so strong what was feeling your specific uh i mean did he specifically address like look dude i'm gonna sit again or do you have any perspective on this is did he ask you that question or yeah well he asked me he asked me like is there a way i can protest it's not going to offend people in the military you know, because a lot of people in the military had, had, you know, spoken out and said they're they're 
deeply offended by this and, sure. it's, and it's disrespectful. Yeah. Because at this on. point, just for, for context, he's just, he's sitting on the bench, right? Yeah. He's sitting the on kneeling, the bench the during the anthem. Was, okay. So yeah. the kneeling came. Yeah. After. So he asked me, yeah, what else could I do something different? And I was like, I mean, honestly, there's nothing you can do that's not going to offend some people. Yeah. No matter what, like there's going to be people that are, that'll be offended. I said, if you're asking my opinion, um, I think being alongside your teammates is the most important thing in some way or another, because when the game starts, you go out on that field, it's like you're shoulder to shoulder with these guys and you're working together for something. You, you don't all agree on everything, you know, oh. whether it's politics or religion or whatever, but you put that stuff aside and work together. And that's like a big, I think that's a good it's, message it's, for the country. One of the beauty of sports, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you look up in the stands, people are yeah. everything and they're all There's mixed together and, and they just figure it out. They wear in the same Jersey for yeah. three hours and yeah. it's all good. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, it was like, yeah, that, that was my one thing. I was like, I just think being alongside your teammates is a good message for the country, you know, just to see that. And he said, well, I'm not going to stand like I've committed to that. And I said, well, I think the only option that makes sense then is taking a knee. Um, you know, to me, that's a, that's a, a respectful gesture. People take a knee to pray, to propose to their future spouse. Uh, now, did you liken this to, uh, I was told that if, if, if someone in the military, obviously if, if a family is mourning, that tradition, there is a tradition out there where during the national anthem, uh, the, the immediate family can tend to kneel. Is that something that I, is that, or is that just something that, that I've, okay. No, I, don't I, know I was about curious that. about it. No, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say like, if I go to Arlington, um, visit, you know, a headstone, I'll take a knee out of respect. Okay. And okay. I've seen a, you know, a knees taken as a, as a folded flag is handed to. You're basically trying to offer member. a solution to at least, um, kind of diffuse this nation and focus on what the message wants to be is what, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Help, and help and help also just like, uh, you know, I'm just trying to help him out. I mean, yeah. he, he had yeah. a, he asked for a suggestion and I gave him yeah, one, cool. and, you know, yeah. and I was like, how long was the meeting? Oh, uh, probably an hour and a half. Maybe, okay. Maybe two. We wow. sat down for a while. That's a while. Yeah. And it's, yeah. is it just on game day, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And like it was four hours before kickoff. And it, is it yeah. just you two or oh, Eric Reed joined us as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah he was Reed another one. Okay. Yep. And so he actually knelt with Colin that night. Right. But, uh, and was that the, that was the first time, right? Yeah. That was actually the first took time. That was the first time. And are you at the game? Are you on the sideline? I'm standing right next to him. You are. Yeah. There's pictures. That was the picture. Okay. Yeah. Is that the only time you guys were together? Uh, it was that actual day. Yep. Okay. Face to face. Yeah. We stayed in communication for probably a year, year yeah. and a half after that, but that was the only time. Uh, it's just fascinating. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it became politicized um, because of the heat of the race. Trump was able to position this for his advantage. There's oh, everything, everything gets screwed up when it comes politicized. Right. Totally. But at that moment, it's, it's interesting that you, at least from your perspective, tried to provide some sort of solution that, that narrowed this thing into what Colin was trying to project or show. And it was also, it's also interesting to me that you're saying, look, I didn't necessarily agree yeah, with, right. with Colin's position, but from my background and what I did uh, on my tour, I knew in a way that I was fighting in a way for this. It's freedom to express yourself. Freedom of expression is something that I believe in and why I contributed to this country in a way I mean, that I did. We, we right? took the, oath we take the oath to defend the constitution like when you enlist and 
the first amendment is those things is yeah. exactly those things. So like, that's, that's the whole, that's freedom. what we fought for. Yeah. You don't have to agree with it or right. like it always, right. but like, yeah. that's what you fought for that yeah. freedom. Fascinating. So, t so now, uh, after, after that, we want to talk, uh, before we, we, we let you go into what you're doing now. Yeah. You, we've talked this before. Really cool. <laughs> we talked about, uh, the M your, your program, the MVP program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then also, to, uh, walk us through, you know, the film and the creative and, yeah. you know, because it's, it, just based on the hour that we've been kind of yeah. wrapping out here, there's been a lot of fucking like amazing <laughs> stories. So I'm curious as to what the next, like what's yeah. next for you? Yeah. What's next for you? <laughs> and so we want to talk about what you're doing now and then what, yeah. what does the future yeah. look like? What's, what's who's someone that's going to tell you no, or what no is going on <laughs> yeah. in your head yeah. that yeah. we can I bet feel like on. telling you no, just to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So MVP started not long after I got cut from the Hawks. Mm -hmm. Um, I considered going back into the military briefly and I didn't really know what I was going to do. Cause it was like, both those locker rooms are gone, you know, mm -hmm. no more military, no more football. I don't know who I am. Like, I, I feel like I need that, some of that structure, but also just like that sense of a very strong purpose. Mm -hmm. And Jay Glazer, who'd become a good friend, he'd helped train me uh, at unbreakable performance center here in, uh, here in Hollywood uh, for that opportunity in the NFL you know, and got me ready. I put a ton of weight on before I went to Seattle. Like they were all part of that. Like, yeah, you needed to be at least me. 240, right? Yeah, I was, I got up to 228. Okay. Which, you okay. know, it was, it wasn't all Just good enough. weight, but it was like, <laughs> it was big. Um, and anyway, so like we, but we stayed friends and I came back when I, after I got released from the Seahawks, I actually stayed at his house for a bit. Um, and man, we were, we were having these conversations about the similarities in the locker rooms and also like conversations with, I'm talking to like a Green Beret buddy. Jay's talking to a, you know, a NFL player first year out of the league. That's like, what do I do? Right Who am too. I? You know, like yeah. the broadcast. You know, I'm not getting any calls about broadcasting. Like, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the normal thing, it's your, right? It's your it's identity, like, right? Yeah. It's your identity for your most. Not everybody's a, a Hall of Famer, man, and not yeah. everybody leaves the military or football or whatever it is on their no, own terms. But, but if you if you've experienced any sort of success in sports, that will um, be the makeup of your identity for as long as you can do it. I mean, you're revered in a way. Yeah, yeah, but I think what we're talking about is is what happens after. Oh, you know, right? no, 100%. The, the, the lights just turn saying, off. And I'm saying it's very difficult to transition yeah. into your next identity yeah. because for the last, let's call it 25 years, you've been almost in a way revered and your ego and so many complexities are wrapped up in this. It's very hard yeah. to unwind. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, most, because yeah, most of, most, of those, most of the guys that make it to that level, whether it's football or whatever sport, they made the decision at eight years old, like, this is what I'm yeah. going to do. This is yeah. who I want to be. And sometimes that fizzles out in high school. Sometimes it's, it's a funnel. Sometimes <laughs> talent, you know, through a certain point, it's like, you know, you, yeah, maybe you can make that college team, but you're, you're just not going to yeah. get to that next level. And even like with me, it was like, I found the most, one of the most unathletic positions on the field <laughs> to try to get, and it's still like, there's one snapper. Yeah. Yeah. On, on an NFL team. There's only 32 long snappers in the yeah. NFL at a time. And there's yeah. thousands of people trying to do this thing. It's just, thousands. it's just not that simple, you know? And it ends at some point, no matter who you are, Peyton Manning, Nate Boyer, yep. freaking Tom Brady, it's yep. going to end. You yep. know what I mean? Maybe not Tom Brady. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll play until he's either one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's going to end. And the same with the military. It's like, you could stay in the military for a long period of time, but like, you're not going to be, you know, kicking doors down like you wanted to be yeah. when you were 25, 30, right. 35 years old. It's like eventually your body breaks down yeah. and it's like someone else's turn. It's yeah. just the way that goes. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to let go of that because it's like the adrenaline, the uh, the mission, 
the locker room, yeah. the, the camaraderie. You, it's like so strong. You've lived it. You've yeah. lived it. And now you're here to find a solution to help get out of that next or to transition. And that, that's really, really cool. And that's why you started. It's MVP. just like, it's helping provide, um, the community, you yeah. know, of those, of those people. Yeah. Because all those people are still that warrior. Like the, you know, the yeah. fighter still remains like that quote, that yeah. quote, you know, it's like, you're still that person. Yeah. Like you've got all this energy and ideas and passion. Yeah. It's like, you feel like you can't, yeah. I can't like, uh, uh, express it. I don't know what to do yeah. and how to express it. I mean, the reality is like, you could do anything. You just don't know that in the moment. You're right. so stuck in like, this is what I did for 25 years. Right. That's who I am. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're the person yeah. that outworked everybody else right. to get there. Yeah. You know, that's who you are. And you, can, and you can transfer that energy into anything. And it doesn't matter that you didn't play football till you were 29 or, yeah. you know, you didn't uh, go to college till you're 40 or you didn't, yeah. uh, whatever. It, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I've always wanted to, you know, take pictures. All right, go be a freaking photographer. Yeah, right. Like get you're after gonna, it. You're going to, within a year, I guarantee if you put your, if you, you know, bust your ass, you're going to be great at it. You yeah, know, yeah. if you put yeah. that same type of work ethic in that you did in the military, you did in pro yeah. sports. And so that's all, it's just reminding each other of that. That's what MVP is all about. Awesome. Like building that community up, that network, pushing each other to continue to be great. And then being there, especially for each other, when we feel alone, you know, I mean, honestly, suicidal, like there's sure. a lot of, uh, even, even in sports, man, I mean, the veteran suicide rate is very, very high. People, people are pretty aware about that in the country, but in sports, I mean, the life expectancy for someone that has a full NFL career, 50, is, 50. it's like 53 or something. It's yeah. very low. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, and, and I know a lot of it is injuries and traumas. It's all that. Of course, like, well, you know, it's also the training staff, yes. the doctors that have their your best interest. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No, so all that, they, that stuff, matter but like the for us like what we focus on is just the mental health aspect yeah, of it that's know? awesome so that's, yeah, that's the biggest awesome. part about mvp and then the movie yeah I, I i directed a movie in october um that we just finished post-production on and it's about the genesis of mvp so it, awesome. at its core it's about a uh a marine veteran who's living in a homeless shelter in hollywood on, on sunset boulevard and it's a real place we filmed on location at this real <laughs> sick shelter and it's all veterans living there uh they're all like afghanistan and iraq veterans too young guys and he meets an NFL player who's the first year out of the league. This guy's a first-round draft pick that just dealt with injuries and coaching changes, and yep. he never was on a uh, – he never had a winning season. You know what I mean? His eight, eight and eight was the best he ever did, and so he feels like a failure, and people, you know, consider him a bust. And that's like – that's the story of so many, and it, it, everything was out of his control. Like, he did everything he could. It just didn't go his yeah, way. People won't understand that unless they, they won't. Yeah. They won't. I mean, because there's the other side of those stories of – someone like a Tom Brady that was a six round pick and, right. you know, timing and circumstance gave him that opportunity yeah. Yeah. and he took advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady, but like there's a, there's a bit of luck in that story of just like right place, right time. And there's yeah. plenty of guys that Absolutely. are just wrong place, wrong time yeah. that could have been there too. And it didn't work out. So yeah. these two guys meet and you know, their lives feel, they feel lost and empty and like, feel like unconnected you know, disconnected from the world. And like they, on paper, they have nothing in common. I mean, they're aside from being doing different jobs, different skin colors, you know, from different yeah. parts of the the world, like they have uh, so much in common. Like they're, yeah. they're just, they're going through the same play, they're going through the same thing. They're in the same place. They recognize that. 
and help each other through it. And that's, that's basically, that's, that's really, really awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really awesome. Um, listen, I, I could sit here and talk to you like for, for three <laughs> yeah. or four more hours, but I know that, uh, we all, we all have our schedules to, to abide by. And I just wanted to take this moment to, first of all, thank you for taking the time and, and sharing, uh, sharing some of the elite traits, uh, that you have. And, and it really helps us kind of flesh out, uh, some of our purpose, which is, you know, how do you win and how do you get to where, uh, you want to be? Um, and, uh, so in a sense, thank you very much. And this, uh, this happens to wrap up another, uh, another fuck you Friday episode. Yeah. We Um, are, we are recording live on a Friday. So this is actually, yeah, it really is our fuck you Friday. Yeah, It is a Friday. And and thank you. I think like, like, like Wynn said, I think there's just so many nuggets in there about what you've done and accomplished. It's going to be super exciting to watch what you do next because in in 40 years you've done probably what eight people could probably tell you and story-wise so excited to see what you do in film and creative and and thanks for giving us an hour of your time yeah that was awesome 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 and i have to be remiss listen guys we're on every platform out there you can download us you can uh slide into his dm all the time he likes that whatever you want to do um we're happy to to flesh out questions that you guys may have um it's been it's been really really fun and uh that that that's kind of a wrap that's a wrap thank you very much man awesome thank you guys appreciate it